and the myth of legend, Matt Sundin, Hockey Hall of Famer, former Leafs captain. I'm told that uh, you had to get to a quiet place. Wait, it's 10 a.m. Like, what are you doing? Are you already out? You're partying? Are you just getting in? <laughs> yeah. No party over here. We're just getting the kids from school, getting back for dinner. So I'm getting ready to go to, to Toronto tomorrow. Oh, you're coming to Toronto tomorrow. Okay, all right. Yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. Uh, uh, you're flying in. Uh, no, we won't say, you shouldn't have even said the date and time because I would imagine that there, uh, or the day, just because I imagine that there are a lot of people that are very interested in seeing you. I know this because uh, I wanted to plug your event, you know, the Legends game, and I wanted to tell yep. people that they could go and buy tickets and that they there's VIP experiences. Everything's sold out, Matt. It's already done. So you're on to plug nothing. <laughs> Sounds great. Very special weekend for uh, mm-hmm. for everybody and for Swedish hockey. You know, yeah. uh, three guys being, being inducted in one weekend. It's a, it's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah, and much like all of your games with Daniel Alfredson, it's a sellout and the building is full of mostly Leaf fans. <laughs> you know, like so good. Uh, you, he, you, you, he can thank you for that. So yeah, tell me a little bit about that man because. Uh, it is a, a really incredible Swedish class, right? Um, you've got the brothers. You've got Daniel Alfredson. What, what does this mean to Sweden? What does this mean to you? Well, uh, first of all, um, you know, uh, we can't forget that Sweden is such a small country, and I don't think we have more registered hockey players today than we did uh, maybe 30 years back. So for the sport of hockey in Sweden, obviously it's huge to have um, – Three more uh, being inducted. You know, we have four with Borja and myself, Forsberg and Niklas Lidstrom. So have three more Swedes being inducted and, and three of them at, at the same uh, year. That's a fantastic accomplishment for, for Swedish hockey. You know, Sweden is, I think, less people living in Sweden than in uh, Ontario itself. So it's very important for for uh, the next generations of hockey players that we try to recruit into the, to the great sport of hockey. Honestly, that's not a thing that I'll admit I, I ever even really thought about. But, yeah, it is a really, really awesome class. And I imagine that, yeah, you're very excited to run down some memories with some of these guys, both playing against them, playing with them at the Olympics, obviously. Um, one thing yeah. I, you know, I am always really curious about, though, is especially your relationship with the Zines. How, how instrumental were they in getting you to Vancouver? Well, I, you know, when I played my the, the half season that I ended up playing with the Canucks, I think uh, Vancouver Canucks was, was one of the top, I would say, six uh, best records in the league at the time. And, and for myself, with the Sedins being, uh, you know, both of them at the top of the league in scoring, uh, winning individual titles, and I obviously played with them in the, in the national team for many years. So I knew with, with, with those two guys, and you look at their – their uh, achievement throughout their whole career they've been they've been leaders for the Vancouver Canucks for for many many years so it was just a great opportunity for me um obviously it seemed like they had a shared brain on the ice uh had you ever been around them where you felt like that was the case off the ice too <laughs> you know what i couldn't i couldn't tell them apart until i actually <laughs> play with them and practice with them yeah. every day but you know once you have identical twins like that you have to spend a lot of you have to spend a few weeks with them, and then you kind kind of know who is who. But uh, you're right. On the ice, it, it, it was amazing to watch their uh, they work together and how they knew where the other player was and finding the passes and all that. And, and just like we know, hockey is such a fast sport, so any kind of edge, and especially with intelligent players like that, it, it, you know they're going to have 
great setups in the in power play and and uh, in five on five as well. Yeah, I just I, I think about the, those two guys together in the offensive zone and just the cycle play that they would have <laughs> and just how incredible it was. Uh, you too on another exactly. really really great cycle player. So. Um, obviously, yeah. Albertson goes in. Um, has he been trying to ask you for some money to help him buy the Sens? You you trying to get in on him with uh, Ryan Reynolds in the group? You think he's going to give you a sales pitch this no. weekend? No, I don't think so. You know, uh, but but you but you're right, uh, Daniel Alperson. I mean, I look back at all the years. I think the toughest playoff rounds, and we always we met him in the first round. I think for most part of the time. It was really Battle of Ontario was was um, was amazing uh, playoff uh, uh, games that we had against them and uh, playoff rounds and they had such a great team with him and Marin Hosa and Spets on the same line so and I remember we really struggled against the Senators in the, in the regular season but we found a way to beat him in the playoffs which is the most important I think yeah was he your favorite guy to beat. Not, not beat, you know. We and I mean, Daniel Iverson and me, we were we were on the same line in the national team for most of the most of the times we played together. Great guys off the ice, but Daniel, just like me, once you're on the ice and you put the equipment on, and someone wears a different sweater, you know, you're you're going to be a competitor. So uh, on the ice, we had tough battles, but off the ice, he's a fantastic guy and well deserved for the for the honor being inducted in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um... It must be great having those bragging rights, though, for, you know, the rest of your life. Because uh, he never was a, like, because you guys won together, but he never beat you, you know. When the chips are down, he never beat you. That's what I'm saying. It had to be the best. Exactly. I'll bring that up the whole week in here once I see him. As you should. Honestly, uh, I hope that in some way he even brings it up in his speech, you know, like in front of the trial people. I think that should be a must. That should be necessary. <laughs> I always thought it was really funny, too, especially like because, man, Alfredson, obviously, like the character of the guy is unquestionable. The resume is unquestionable. He's a very deserving Hall of Fame guy. But, yeah, he was just, you know, from a Toronto standpoint, just people rooted so hard against those centers teams. I'll never forget him doing the fake broken stick and how funny it must have been from your standpoint, being a very close friend of his and seeing how much Toronto hated him for mocking you. I think he underestimated the importance of the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and uh, hockey in, in the city. And, uh, you know, we talked about it after and he said it was really not, it was just something that came spontaneously to him. He did it because obviously he knew that I did it a, a couple of weeks ahead of that, and then he, he couldn't he couldn't imagine the the reception he got from from doing that and and the added hate. Obviously he was he was hated in Toronto before that because he, he was such a great player and, and was leader for a team that we had a tough time beating. So I don't think it helped him uh, his popularity in Toronto once he did the the. the fake uh, stick throw there into the stands. I just, I think it's hilarious looking back on it because I was a lot younger when that happened. I remember being mad as a fan. I was like, how dare he do that? <laughs> you know? But, like, but that's your really good buddy. You know, like he's making fun of you. He's teasing you. His really good friend exactly. and everyone else from the outside is looking at it like, oh my God, what an insult. And you're just laughing and going, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? You've just made things so much harder on yourself than they needed to be. Oh, it's so good. So, he, he didn't realize what he did. Yeah. Um, what do you think it was about your teams that just were you were just able to always beat them in the in the playoffs, right? Like there were different formulas to doing it, but I think that this is something now, especially in Toronto, we focus in on, right? Is the difference between a regular season team and a playoff team? Like, why were you able to just find so much success against those Ottawa Senators groups when, yeah, it wasn't always the same way in the regular season? 
Well, you know, it's a really good question. Um, uh, it, it's, it's a, and I, I don't know if it's, it's possible to answer that, but we had, a, I think at the, at the time we played Ottawa in the playoffs, we had a little more experience on our team, I would say. And um, you look at um, guys like Curtis Joseph, I think Ed Belfour was in the last time we beat him. I think he yeah. was a nut, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. He was. He made a billion but we had, we had, Yeah. We had we had a playoff experience, maybe a little bit more, and so that, I think that's one one aspect of it. And you know, once the playoffs start, you need you need uh, a couple of good bounces too. And and uh, but it was you know, you look at the series; they were all except for the first one. I think we swept them, but other than that, we we're mm-hmm. they were tough games. And I think we had a fantastic room. Uh, in in Toronto those years, and as you get closer to the playoffs, and and uh, you know no one is getting paid anymore. I think the importance of the values, the the a close room, you have a bigger goal than than uh, than the other stuff comes very very much into play. And obviously, playoffs playoff success in the past is huge to have those that experience in the room as well. I think we had. Well, I think that's a really interesting parallel to right now with this Leafs team, right? Because they've they've had a really well, they haven't been able to get past the first round. Playoffs have been tough, but I, I was thinking a lot about you specifically, right? Like, and now you talk about having a good room and being a tougher team to play against. Um, with those sense, having that experience, Matthews Marner now twenty five years old. When you became the captain of the Leafs, you were twenty six. When did you start to yep. feel like you took on, you know, those added leadership qualities? I'm, I'm sure, like, you know, you you learned a lot from the guys before you. You had been around the room. Yep. But what changed yep. for you in terms of when you became the captain or when that became your team and you had to make your leadership yeah. more than just what you did on the ice? Yeah, um, it, it's a good question. I, I think you're, I mean, if you look at the Leafs team today, you have the, the foundation for a championship team is there. There's no doubt about that. You have the, you know, some of the top players in the league today. They're young, they're hungry. Every game they play in the regular season, every game they play in the playoffs, they're going to gain experience. But it also going to uh, put some fuel on their fire. You know, they're going to they're going to every time they lose a playoff game or lose a playoff round, they're actually going to want it even more. You know, so. I, I wouldn't be too concerned about that, but it, it, it's a grown experience, and you know the leadership groups in in any team know they are the leadership group. They usually have the most ice time. They usually get most uh, the biggest paycheck. So it, it, it's a it's a matter of growing, I think, as a group, and um, I think it's the same for any team. Well, you are someone, though, that unequivocally people talk about as just a great leader, right? Whether it's been with your Swedish teams, like. Uh, guys revere you. Like I had Peter Forsberg on recently and, you know, he's still, hey, this is a nice bragging rights too. Like he still called you like the best player on our team. Um, That's very clear in terms of the time that you spent as a Leaf. But did that wear on you at all at times? Like was it harder to do it in a place like Toronto where, yeah, fans are so starved for a cup. There is so much (laughs) attention on you. Um, you are the best player on the team, so you have to carry that burden on the ice. But then there is also that leadership component of making sure that, yeah, you are the guy with the paycheck. You are the guy with the skill. You are the leader. Yeah. And how that that burden affected you as a as a player when you were here? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, there's no doubt it, it's a different it's a different ball game. Uh, try to uh, win a championship in Toronto mm-hmm. for the Toronto Maple Leafs, knowing the history of the Maple Leafs, the importance uh, 
in the city of Toronto, but not only in Toronto. I mean, all across Canada and in the hockey world, you know, when you're a Maple Leaf, you go to play in L.A., and you have one-third of the in the stands are cheering for the Maple Leafs. Same in Edmonton, same in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you go. And uh, there's no doubt if you're playing in Carolinas or, or a, a smaller U.S. market or compared to Toronto, you know, where you have a media that are you can go one month or you can go through a losing streak, 10 or 12 games, and no one really cares. Toronto, it's, it's, it's a different ballgame, like you know, and you're under a, a microscope right from the start of the season. So it, it, it is a different burden, and it makes it more complicated to have the um, – uh, get the time you need to grow as a team and hmm. need to have some losses before you actually learn how to, uh, uh, how to get through that and, and, and start winning. So Toronto is, uh, I would say, by far, and I haven't played in all the markets, but I've been in Toronto and some of the other Canadian markets. It is, it is a different ballgame being there, and it, it is more pressure on the players in terms of everything that goes around the hockey that, that you can't um, affect, uh, can't do anything about. Yeah, um, especially right now. Um, and I, again, you probably dealt with this a lot more as your career got longer and the more time that you spent here, right? Which is uh, people care about regular season games. The arena's always full. Everywhere you go, it's full. There's always expectations. The media is always making stories. The fans are always clamoring for yeah. more. But it does get to a point, right? And I'm sure there was that same period with your career where not that you didn't always want to win, but where the regular season started to have a little less meaning and you started to know, like, we are going to be judged on how we perform in the postseason. And I, I wonder when you started to learn, like, or how you managed that. Because I think that a lot of people are curious how a group like this that's been together for a while that isn't being judged on regular season wins manages, you know, getting through the grind of a regular season when so much rests on the postseason. Yeah. Well, the, the problem with, I think, all professional sports and and. National Hockey League is no difference today. You can't really just go through the motions in a regular, regular season. I mean, teams are, the competition is so hard. Every team is so good. I mean, when I broke into the league in the early 90s, there were some teams you can go in and say, we're going to win tonight. And it's just a matter of how many goals are we going to score or the guy is going to get points. That It doesn't work that way anymore. You have all these teams, everyone can beat another team pretty much on any given night. So the regular season uh, is really your, your, your mental mood, and I'm sure it's the same in Toronto today. It is the kind of playoff hockey. You have to be on your toes. You have to be at 100%. You play a little bit lower than that, there's a good chance you're going you're gonna to lose the, the game you're playing in the regular season and eventually not making the playoffs. I mean, we missed the playoffs a few years at the end, the last two or three years. We, had, we were 10 or 11 games over 500, and we missed out by a few points. So there, th- that's another dimension that I think people and fans sometimes have to think about, too. There's a, guys and, and the organization and the team are really have to go 110% just to get in and uh, um, make sure they get a playoff spot. And then you have to be able to create the same success under a playoffs where, you know, you play the same opponents, but... The, the, the meaning of each game becomes a little bit bigger. There's a little bit more pressure. But I, I remember talking to Nicholas Lidstrom about that in Detroit. I mean, I don't, I don't care remember how many cups he's won. We've been on the national team. And the key is to be able to do exactly what you do in the regular season in the playoffs. Like, not change too much, but be able to do it when there's a little high, more intensity, a little more physical, pace of the game goes up. 
but you're playing the same guys, right? So, so you just have to understand to be successful in a little more hostile environment, which is the playoffs instead of the regular season. Do you do you like this the the way the NHL is now, just where there is like a lot more parity? Because you mentioned it. Uh, about when you first broke into the league and there were teams, like you said, that you knew you were going to get a win against. And now there are, you know, there are still bad teams in the league, but even Toronto's just had a stretch where they, they've lost to a lot of those groups and, you know, they hammer them over this. But I, I think back even to, you know, a lot of the teams that were so special of yours that, that really made, you know, fans, though, those experiences, especially against the Senators. And this is like pre-salary cap where you could just really load up a team and have it be special. Like you think of the talent that was on some of those teams um, and like, this is not disparaging, but versus some of the talent that was on the groups, like later, uh, once a salary cap does come into place, do you like the parody in the league or, or do you miss kind of having those super teams, those special teams, that top tier of the league <laughs> where there's just like, yeah, the Detroit's, the Colorado's and your versions of the early two thousands Leafs. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, if you look at, uh, I mean, you look at the Tampa Bay, the last few years, you look mm-hmm. at. I think Colorado now is going to have a great team for many years. You know that they're. You look at the age profile on the team is is very much right. You know where they have a lot of their top players are in their twenties, some of them early and and mid twenties. So I don't think um, I wouldn't say that the the salary cap. Detroit might be an exception when you look when they won those cup. I mean they they had like what ten or. 10 Hall of Famers on their yeah. team there for a while, and they won a few cups. But other than that, I think the other uh, things that we talked about, to to have the, the successful teams like, like any winning championship team, I think they have the culture, they have the values in the leadership group that you create over time by winning before, by experience in the playoffs or experience in regular season, and really have a tight group as you go into the playoffs. So and that will help you win. And win, I mean, the best teams in the playoffs are most of the time also the best teams in the regular season, right? So mm. it's how you carry that success into the playoffs, many times by experience, but, but the values that you create in the group during the, the season and the years you play together. Well, I mean, kind of coming back to the Toronto element of that, like creating the culture and creating the group, uh, people often talk about like blue and white disease, right? Have you heard that term before? Where it's no, no. <laughs> well, it's like essentially, it's that anybody who plays for the Leafs is an instant celebrity. Like everybody knows you in town. You can be, <laughs> you know, you can be the fourth liner. Uh, you can be a prospect. You've not even played a game for the Leafs, and everybody knows you. And so, you know, it's difficult for I would imagine a lot of guys to manage that. Or even if you do start to win, you do have uh, a good season, whatever. You, you can feel a lot bigger than you are in the league. And, and I do wonder if that was something... Like you said, you had good rooms, obviously. And I think that's very clear, again, given especially like the way that a lot of those guys that were on those teams talk about those groups. And you did have a very yep. strong leadership. But was that harder for you? Like, did you have to manage that sometimes with guys? Like, hey, uh, this is about the group. This isn't about the individual because the individual <laughs> be- can become much greater here. Uh, I don't know, but but it, it's another maybe dimension of of being part of the Toronto Maple Leafs, where where it's a you know hockey center of the uni- universe of hockey, obviously in the world. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't think this should be negative in a way. I think any any confidence you add to players in the room, I think, should help the group. So I, I don't think that's a that's not negative. But I, but I think if you look at the the Leafs today, has such a fantastic uh, group of players they're they're in their 
perfect age where they're going to get, and, and for Leaf fans, this group of players, the foundation of this team is going to get many years of chances to to uh, to reach deep in the playoffs and win a championship. So I, I think it's more about how how they how they grow in regular season and how they keep developing and and learning from from everything that's going on. And also, as I know as players and all these guys on the Leafs team today are very competitive guys. There's nothing else they want to want to do than win a championship for the for the city of Toronto and the Leaf fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that comes so anytime you have a, a mislaps or something, or you lose games in the playoffs, you're going to add fuel on the fire, and you're going to get more experience that to navigate through that. But you know, uh, things takes time too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I know the Leaf fans been waiting since '67, yeah. so <laughs> it, it doesn't make it easier. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't say the time thing because it's just as everyone's like, yeah, we know that sucks. Though <laughs> they, again, you, it sucks. Uh, I would imagine being a player where. You get the awesome prestige of playing for a market that cares, but also the pressure of just guys who did come before you, and it all just ends up Thanks sticking. Um, so I, I mentioned I spoke to Forsberg during the Avs run. Uh, he told me that yeah. you know your kids are similar ages, uh, so he teases you that he's usually ahead of you um, when it comes to the kids. He's <laughs> slightly behind. Uh, that you built a big house in Stockholm, uh, you know, that you got, that you used a Toronto architect, by the way, so shout out to Toronto, uh, that you're doing some fishing, but yeah, you mostly keep to yourself and the kids. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, it's, it's really nice, I think. I mean, my kids are 10, 8, and 5, and they're, we're mm-hmm. going over to Toronto for the weekend, so which is going to be a great experience. They don't know a whole lot about my hockey career, which is going to be fun. But other than that, we're, uh, we're we're enjoying life, you know, and, and obviously I follow the National Hockey League on a daily basis. I follow the Maple Leafs, which is a team in my heart. And, um, you know, we'll see what, what the kids end up. I think Peter's, Peter Forsberg's kids are, are even more into hockey than mine are. Mine are a little bit younger, so we'll see where they going to end up. <laughs> but this is going to be cool dad weekend. They're all coming. They're going to get to see you like be the guy. You know, this is Team Sundin at the Hockey Hall of Fame game. They're going to get to see you strut around the city. Maybe a little bit more respect when you head back to Stockholm. Uh, well, let's hope so. Maybe they'll listen to me when it's time for uh, do for bedtime or, or do their homework. Uh, I hope so, man. Hey, just before you go, and thanks so much for the time, um, Boria Salming is planning on making it to some of the Hall of Fame activities um, I just, yeah, how important is he that he is there um, for this induction again? Such a, a big weekend for Sweden. Yeah, and, and uh, I texted with his wife yesterday, and it, what a great, uh, I mean, I, I was, said I was so glad that they're going over for the Hall of Fame weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, as you know, in, in Sweden, Boris Salming is, for us, my generation, he was the, 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 the guy that paid the way for Swedish hockey players into North America. He showed that uh, we're good enough to play with the best in North America. And, and um, he was my mentor when I became a Maple Leaf. When I was asked for, to be the captain for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I always talked to Boris Salming and, and a friend. So uh, uh, we're all, uh, you know, he, he's a fighter. He's the toughest guy that we know in Sweden when it comes to hockey, and we're all with him in this battle that, it, that him and his family is going through now. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be great um, to see all of you guys down there together. And, uh, yeah, everybody is absolutely wishing the best for him. And, yeah, if you uh, want to learn more, ALS Society of Canada, uh, you can go there and you can make a donation today. Matt Sundin, thanks so much for the time, man. Uh, safe travels to Toronto. And, and yeah, have a blast this weekend. And 
Yeah, please continue to remind Daniel Offerson that he never beat any of your teams in the playoffs. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks. Matt Sundin, Hockey Hall of Famer, Leafs legend, uh, all-around good guy.